This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. I am Tom Opferman. I am the man with the questions. The man sitting right across from me, Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola, has all the answers you could ever need as far as related to the NFL, the Steelers, or at Any, least I like to. Life, really, or at least I like answer. to sound like I do. Don't tell them that, Bob. Okay. We play pretend on these podcasts. <laughs> you have the answers to everything here. Let's get right into it this week. Uh, color me shocked. This first question has to do with the offense and the offensive play calling. <laughs> Imagine that. Terry Howden from Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, asks: This dink and dunk slash dip and dunk slash third and two seems to be the mode this season. Or alternatively. It's give it to the new running back to go straight ahead and hope he can make a dent in the defense. I realize there is a new offensive line that needs some experience together, but am I the only fan who thinks the play calling by Mr. Canada is a little bland and uninspired? Your thoughts, Bob? Okay, um, this is not a question, Terry. Uh, This is you uh, spouting your opinion, which you are entitled to, and then asking me to tell you what I think. Um, so this is not a talk show. There are plenty of talk shows. There are talk shows on Steelers Nation Radio. There are talk shows on ESPN Pittsburgh, and they are all hosted by knowledgeable (coughs) and um, friendly uh, hosts. And so if you're interested uh, in exchanging opinions with someone, um, have at it. Uh, Really, if you need the phone numbers, I'm happy to provide them. But as I said, I'm not a talk show host. Uh, I'm not your therapist, uh, and so uh, this is your thoughts uh, is not a question. So, uh, Tom, let's go, let's move on. Let me read between the lines for you here, Terry. Never ask a question to this show again. You're banned. <laughs> no, you're not. What? No, you're not. Oh, okay. No, no. I guess he makes the rules. I'm a, I'm All a... right, Terry, you can ask another question, I guess. <laughs> I want to ban him so bad, though, Labs. What a jerk. Kevin McKinney from Highwood, Illinois. Which of the five Steelers who were nominated recently for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, those being Heinz Ward, Heath Miller, Casey Hampton, Hardy Nickerson, and Gary Anderson, do you think has a shot? I've seen them all play, and all were great Steelers. Um, yeah, I'll give you that all were great Steelers. Um, but, you know, it's a different, it's a different bar you have to hurdle um, to be considered, you know, a great player for a particular franchise and a Hall of Famer. Um, and, you know, there are also, there, whether we like this or not, there is a bar of statistics. You know, in baseball, it used to be called the Mendoza line, where, right. you know, it's the very bare minimum, you know, to cons- be considered a major league, major leaguer. Um, and as much as I like and respect the, um, these players that you mentioned, the only one in my mind that has statistics, career statistics, worthy of serious consideration for the Pro Football Hall of Fame is Heath, excuse me, is Heinz Ward. You know, Heath Miller, um, I, I'm not going to argue with you at all if you call him the best tight end in franchise history. Uh, Casey Hampton, I'm not going to argue with, with you at all if you want to call him um, a key run stopper for a team that won uh, two Super Bowls. Uh, Hardy Nickerson, the only thing about him was I think that we would have to consider is he played more of his career with other teams than he did with the Steelers. And so I think a lot of uh, his accomplishments have to be attributed to different franchises. Uh, Gary Anderson, good guy, um, and I I took a lot of heat for this 
and we'll hear about it here in the in the next question. But I don't believe place kickers belong in the Hall of Fame. Sorry, I just don't. Uh, I would. I don't have a vote. I'm not part of the selection uh, process. But if I were, I would not vote for kickers. Um, we'll get into detail a little bit more detail in that in the next one. But looking at Hines Ward, he has a thousand catches, twelve thousand eighty-three yards, and eighty-six touchdowns. So he ranks. 14th all-time in catches, 26th all-time in yards, and 16th all-time in receiving touchdowns. And so, um, you know, those are pretty impressive numbers. But as you can see, you know, Heinz Ward has never even been a finalist yet. And so uh, as while I believe that he has the credentials to, uh, to get into the Hall of Fame, I do think it's going to be an uphill battle for him, and I don't think it's going to happen – uh, anytime soon. By anytime soon, I'm talking about the next three or four years. Uh, that's my opinion. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but uh, you asked me the question about those five. I think Heinz Ward has a shot. All five of those guys, obviously, Steelers Hall of Honor worthy. They kind of strike me as Hall of Very Good as far as the NFL is concerned, just missing that next tier into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, let's not uh, let's not go too far in the Hall of Honor either. And again, um, the the my thing about Hardy Nickerson, most of his he wasn't a Steeler, right? Pro yeah. Bowls and all that stuff were not uh, with with this franchise. Well, you mentioned the kicker question coming, and it comes from Timothy Richard from Sulphur, uh, Louisiana. You really don't think kickers belong in the Hall of Fame? No exceptions, even for kickers like Adam Vinatieri or Justin Tucker. With it being just a specialty position, they can and have had a significant effect on the outcome of games. I don't remember who the kickers were the day, that day in the Superdome, my one and only time seeing the Steelers live. It was a defensive slugfest in 1988 or 1989 maybe, but the score was 9-6 to and the Steelers won. If not for the kickers, it would have been a 0-0 overtime tie. Well, it would have been a 0-0 overtime tie without <laughs> the holders too or without the long snappers. Um, and so that's the thing about this. Where does it stop? Uh, kickers, okay, if we're going to do that, then what about the long snappers? Can't do it without them. Can't do it without the lo- uh, 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 the holders either. You know, then, okay, what about the gunners on the punt team? Uh, you know, Peter King, uh, as much as I respect his work and knowledge uh, of the NFL, he's a big Steve Tasker, should be in the Hall of Fame guy. Um, again, I don't have anything to say about it, but if I did, I wouldn't vote for Steve Tasker. And the reason is because there are real players such as L.C. Greenwood, Andy Russell, they're never going to get into the Hall of Fame. Assistant coaches like Bud Carson and Lionel Taylor, they're never going to get into the Hall of Fame. And I'm only mentioning these guys because they're Steelers or work for the Steelers, and I'm familiar with their careers enough, I believe, to speak about them. Um, You know, what about Tommy Nobis, the first ever uh, draft pick of the Atlanta Falcons? Really, really good player on bad teams. And to me, that Ray Guy and Jan Stenerud are in the Hall of Fame and Tommy Novus is not, it's criminal. Um, so uh, Adam Vinatieri and Justin Tucker over Tommy Novus, Elsie Greenwood, and Andy Russell, for me, not in a million years. We know where your beliefs stand, but do you think Tucker and Vinatieri get in? Um, Probably. Probably. I, yeah, I would say I, so, too. Yeah, because, but I agree with you. The fact that L.C. Greenwood's sitting at home without a bust is ridiculous, and those two guys are going to get um, in. You know, and let me just say this. Every field goal that – and this will come up in, uh, when he's eligible. When he – yeah. 
They'll talk about the Super Bowl winning right. kicks. He made. Those games were tied when he made those kicks. Not that much not, pressure. Right. You're going it's to not, overtime if you miss right, it. Right. It's not the same thing. <laughs> as being it's, down one or two. Ah, uh, <laughs> right. So, you know, and Justin Tucker, the 66-yarder uh, to win the game uh, last week. Okay. I mean. He okay, had to bank but, it in. I mean, he didn't But, have but again, um, what if the holder doesn't get the ball down or doesn't spin the laces? Snap or, goes over the head or, of the holder. Uh, there you go. So, <laughs> no, not for me. Larry Lawhead from Glen Carbon, Illinois, asks, As bad as the Cincinnati game was, I was pleased to see Najee Harris gain almost 150 yards from scrimmage. Of course, I would rather it had been flipped as far as rushing yards versus passing yards, but that got me thinking. Has there been another time where a Steelers running back led the team in receiving yards? Um, no, not since Chuck Knoll was hired in 1969. Now, there have been um, times, five times, since 1969, that a Steelers running back has either led the team in receiving over the uh, receptions over the course of a season or tied. Uh, just to give it to you quick, in 71, Frenchie Fuqua and Ron Shanklin tied for the team lead. 1982, the strike year, there were only nine regular season games because of that prolonged player strike. Franco Harris led the team in receive, uh, receptions. 86, Walter Abercrombie led the team in receptions. 88, Lewis Lips and Merrill Hodge tied for the lead in receptions. In 1994, John L. Williams led the team in receptions. So um, not receiving yards, but there is some history of Steelers running backs uh, leading the team in receptions. It's real easy to lead the team in receiving yards when you're targeted 19 times in the game. So that was going in Najee Harris's um, favor there. Absolutely. Uh, but what I've seen from the Steelers receivers uh, so far this year <laughs> – right. Um, he is certainly, I think we, I, I'm comfortable in saying this, and I'm thinking about it as, a, as I'm about to I can see the wheels say, turning in his see, head right now. Or as my, my mother always used to say, I can smell the wood burning. Um, <laughs> I think he is the most reliable receiver uh, on this team through the first three weeks. You'll get no argument from me on that statement. Todd Walker from Port St. Lucie, Florida, asks, I am a true Steelers fan, so keep that in mind. He's a true Steelers fan, Lab. I have faith in the players, coaches, and general manager, and the organization. I know they aren't playing well, but we are 2-7 and seven in our last nine games and actually could be winless if not for the fourth-quarter comebacks in those wins, the Colts game last year and the Bills game week one of 2021. Should I be concerned? Um, hey, I mean, you could have been concerned even before <laughs> um, the, the Colts game uh, and before – the Bills game. I, I don't. I you know. I don't know how to how to answer that or to get into what would concern you or not specifically about these things. Um, you know, all I can tell you is um, I wish I had some answers for you to give you some comfort, but I do not. And even if I thought I knew what I was talking about, um, I don't have any authority to implement anything. I mean, I think at this point, uh, you're just gonna have to ride the wave. Tomlin doesn't call you in and ask for your opinion? Uh, he does not. Oh, wow. Surprised. Fred Ward from Warren, Pennsylvania. Following the latest loss to the Bengals at Heinz Field, Ben Roethlisberger said something to the effect that he was at a loss because everything has gone well in practice. I submit this may be part of the problem. Shouldn't practice be designed to be game-like? How does an easy, as-expected, smooth practice help this team's offense? Now, this, this is an outstanding idea. I mean, I think this should be implemented immediately. Um, have some sessions in practice 
where you go live, first offense, first defense, have T.J. Watt come off the edge and blast Ben from behind. Oh, it's I mean, great. I think that um, either that or you could just line Cam Hayward up in the middle. He could bull rush through, you know, maybe Kendrick Green and or Trey Turner or Kevin Dotson and smash Ben in the mouth as he cocks his arm to throw. That would get him used to what he's going to be facing on Sundays. Now, seriously. I mean, this is this is the NFL, uh, Fred, and the way that it works in the NFL. First of all, um, you're only allowed to have, I believe it's 14 padded practices over the course of the entire regular season, and teams usually practice three times a week. So, you know, three times 17 is a whole lot more than 14. So you can't even practice in pads once a week. And in the NFL, pra- uh, practice during the regular season is about teaching and learning. Uh, it's not about beating the snot out of your quarterback <laughs> or, you know, beating the snot out of your pass rushers or your pass blockers or, you know, who knows, maybe you have Juju go over the middle and see if, um, you know, somebody can blast him and right in those ribs, you right. know, that he had to leave the his game. tender for. ribs, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's a good idea. I'll, I'll pass that along. I'll let you know how it turns out. Like, this guy wants, Fred wants Ben Roethlisberger out there doing the old bull in the ring drill where he's in the middle yeah. with the guys around him and coaches pointing to, to Devin Bush to come light him up. And then he's pointing to Schobert and Hayward. I mean, come on, get real. All other 31 teams in the NFL don't practice at full speed. Why would you expect Hitting. the Steelers to? Hitting. Hitting at full speed. Tim Hart from Kennesaw, Georgia, asks, with the injuries to outside linebackers, would the Steelers consider bringing back Tuzar Skipper? Tuzar Skipper. There's a there's a blast from the past. Well, actually, oh, yeah. not that far into the past. Um, you know, there are guys every summer, every training camp that capture the imagination of Steelers fans, and Tuzar, Tuzar Skipper uh, is one of them. And uh, but he was cut at the end of the preseason of his rookie year. Uh, then he signed. Uh, uh, the Giants picked him up. Then he the Giants cut him, and the Steelers brought him back. Uh, he finished the season with the Steelers, really um, made no mark, went to the following year's training camp, and did not make the team. So this is a guy who's been cut twice by the Steelers uh, in a year and a half. Um, that ship sailed. Uh, you know, um, if, if Tuzar Skipper really was anything more than one of those training camp flash in the pans, he'd be in the league somewhere. He's not. These may be desperate times for Steelers Nation. They ain't that desperate just yet. Well, I mean, they the Steelers did uh, Mr. Tuska. Uh, they just added him to the 53-man roster yesterday. So uh, there is some hope for the, these kinds of things, but um, not after you've been cut twice by the same team <laughs> within about a year, within about 14 months. J.D. Akers from Nixa, Missouri asks, can you enlighten us on how the salary cap affects signing free agents after the season has started? For instance, if a team has little to no cap space and loses five players due to injury, what are the options? Okay, let me give you this analogy first. If you're really thirsty and your canteen is empty, what do you do? You go thirsty. So if you don't have any cap money and you need players, you don't have any cap money. And everything counts on the cap. The salary of your 53 guys on the active roster, the salaries of any guys on IR, practice squad. All the players on the practice squad have to get paid at least $14,000 a week. So if you don't have money, you, you can't sign anyone else. 
And this is also a reason why, you know, I get this question a lot. If you, if why do, uh, why are teams allowed to have 53 guys on the active roster, but not all 53 are eligible on game days? This is why. Because if, say, Tom, your team has uh, five injured players on their 53-man roster, and my team has no injured players on my 53-man roster. So on game days, you're playing with five fewer players than I am. That's a competitive disadvantage. The league tries to stay away from that, and so that's why they've enacted – they enacted – how many years ago, I don't even know – the inactive list. So hope that clears up some of that. But I'm just telling you, when you see something – uh, in the media, on the on on the internet, whatever the Steelers have fifteen million dollars in salary cap room. They really don't have fifteen million dollars in salary cap room because there are a lot of bills that are to be paid from that money, and then they have to save some of that money in the uh, in the event that something happens to them, like JD just proposing his question. And. There's so many things that Kevin Colbert does great as a GM, but one of them is making sure there is some water in that canteen every single season for the Steelers. Yeah. Better better to carry around a little extra water in the canteen than have to go thirsty. No question. Ralph Robinson from Mansfield, Ohio, asks, given Ben Roethlisberger's age, what are your thoughts on having Dwayne Haskins inactive for both games so far? If Ben gets injured in a game and then Mason Rudolph is injured too – who would we put at quarterback? Also, do most teams make their third quarterback inactive? Yeah, um, first of all, not every team in the league even has a third quarterback on their 53-man roster. And those that do, unless they go into a game with one of their first two quarterbacks kind of iffy because of an, uh, um, some kind of minor injury, then the third quarterback is always inactive. And, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's age has less to do with Dwayne Haskins being inactive for the, each of the games so far this regular season, then the fourth preseason game against the Carolina Panthers uh, has to do with Dwayne Haskins being inactive. Um, Dwayne Haskins was given an opportunity to start that game and play against Carolina's frontline defense. He was awful, mm-hmm. in a word, and uh, so it's obvious that he needs more seasoning and learning before I think he's ready um, to, ha- to, to have any chance to quarterback an NFL team to a victory in a regular season. Final question for you here, Labs. Jerry Kerstetter from Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania asks, I read somewhere Ben Roethlisberger needed four touchdown passes to get into the 400 club. The article stated there are only eight other quarterbacks in the club. Can you tell me who they are? I'm happy to. Um, what my question is, who – why didn't whoever wrote what you read in the first place include that in, in their article? In their article, because <laughs> I think that's kind of in, uh, integral information. But hey, you know. Um, anyway, Ben now is at 399 um, career touchdown passes, so he needs one more uh, for 400. Uh, those with 400 already uh, are in this order. There's seven of them, by the way. So Ben would be the eighth. Uh, it's not eight others. It was seven others plus Ben. Uh, Tom Brady has 591. That guy. Drew Brees has 571. Peyton Manning has 539. Brett Favre has 508. Philip Rivers is at 421. Dan Marino is at 420. And Aaron Rodgers is at 418. Excuse me. And those totals for both Brady and Rodgers are updated to as we sit here and speak right now. 
What a matchup Sunday at Lambeau Field. Rodgers, number seven versus number eight. Touchdown passes all time, Ben Roethlisberger. Yes. It's an incredible matchup Sunday at Lambeau Field. That's all the questions I got for you today, though, Lab. So that's going to do it for us. Thank you, as always, for imparting your wisdom onto Steelers Nation. That is Bob Labriola. Did you learn anything today? I learned a ton today, Labs, of course. I'm like a sponge. I just absorb all this knowledge from you. He is Bob Labriola. I am Tom Opperman. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen, and we will talk to you next week on the latest edition of Asked and Answered.